Father, would you take my words and use them to your glory? In the name of Jesus. Amen. So it's really useful if you keep your Bible open, or if it wasn't, have it open on page 1134. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the central part of the letter to the Romans. It's the mountaintop message, if you like, to shout from the rooftops, freedom, no condemnation. How did Paul make that climb to this glorious verse, this incredible passage? Therefore. So we need to look back to what's gone before. Now on slide... Oh, we haven't got the slides yet. There's slide one. Oh, slide one is there because it's perfect for this talk. We're celebrating 500 years since the Reformation, which is saved by grace Saved by faith, not by struggling with works. So if we could go to slide two, and most of you have probably been given a handout, which is the picture in case you can't see it very well. I I went to Edinburgh recently, and I saw this amazing picture by Holbein the Younger. He painted this around 1526, and he was a German living in Basel, Switzerland, a centre for Protestant ideas, and he was a believer very recent believer because the Lutheran salvation really came about around uh, 1517 of this salvation through faith and he painted this picture. Of course most people in those days couldn't read so it was a brilliant way of explaining the gospel. It's an allegory of the Old Testament and the New Testament. It maps out the whole of the theology expounded by Paul in the book of Romans. In the center is poor old man. He's stripped bare. He's marked by the term homo. It's um, all the words are in Latin. He's looking pretty sad. We're on the left-hand side of the picture. There's Adam and Eve, the first sin of disobedience to God. Because of that, and because of our own sin, we're under the wrath of God and the power of sin. No one's righteous. We all fall short of the glory of God. Then Moses is given the law. The law is good, but unfortunately, because of our base nature, the law just reveals our utter inability to keep it. So sin leads to that rather gory picture of death, both physical and spiritual. So man is in a bit of a bad way. But at the end of Romans 7 last week, Ruth shared that wonderful verse, who will rescue me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So in the middle, we've got Isaiah of the Old Testament and John the Baptist, the beginning of the new, pointing to the right-hand side to Jesus, to the good news, salvation. He's the Lamb of God. He's our justification. He, the creator, comes down, takes on our sin becomes sin, condemns sin, pays the price, rises from the dead, triumphs over sin and death, eternal life in heaven, hallelujah. So it's the contrast of that unyielding law and the amazing grace of God. And it's a victory. 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is terrific. To understand just how staggering it is, it's a good idea to look at how appalling condemnation is. The word is, um, I'm no Greek scholar, but I've read this. The Greek is katakrina, and this word means pass judgment against, pronounce guilty, damned. It's a very heavy word with a very heavy meaning. In the Old Testament, it was used for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Two cities wiped out. Two cities, everyone dead by fire. Not good. In the New Testament, the same word is used when Jesus is condemned to death on the cross. Mega torture, utter separation from God, the worst torture you could think of. Well, I don't know about you, but um, I quite enjoy watching those um, movies and things on the television which are about court cases. And sometimes you see a story where the court case takes place before 1965 when in the UK we abolished the death penalty. So when I'm watching and I'm looking at the guy standing in the dock, I think to myself, I'm going to put myself in his shoes, her shoes. And the jury has just said, we find this person guilty. And the judge puts on his black hat and just picture, just put your own name in this and I'll be the judge. John Michael Smith, you are sentenced to be taken from here to the prison in which you were last confined and from there to a place of execution where you will be hanged by the neck until you are dead and may God have mercy on your soul. I don't know about you, I think from that second on they're thinking about the noose and their neck and right until the point that they were hanged that would not leave their mind. So being condemned isn't even just about the last minute, it's about thinking about it until it happens. 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, a man named Barabbas was found guilty of sedition. He was convicted and he was sentenced to crucifixion. Just picture this. Again, try and get your mind, yourself into his shoes. Probably didn't have shoes at that point. Sitting dejectedly in his filthy cell, He's watched closely by the Roman guards. He can't help but think constantly about this excruciatingly painful crucifixion that he faces and deserves. He's seen this hellish nightmares of Roman justice at the side of the roads in Judea and Galilee because the Romans used to put them there as a warning and you would watch people being tortured. You couldn't help it because you had to use that road. So on the day of execution, the Roman guards march up to him. He's expecting that torture to begin. They break off his heavy chains. They clunk to the floor with an echo. He's taken outside. He's expecting now to have to carry that piece of wood on which he is going to be nailed and tortured. And the Romans say to him, you're free to go. That's when you change from condemned 
that are not condemned. You're free to go. You deserved it. You're free to go. There's nothing to pay. Barabbas' name is Barabbas, son of a dear father. Actually, some people, um, some of the scribes wrote Jesus Barabbas. So, Jesus, son of a dear father, and Jesus. And they had two Jesuses to pick from, maybe. And they took the wrong man. We're exactly like Barabbas, because we're children of our dear father, but we've all fallen short. We didn't measure up, and we deserve condemnation, but we get to walk free like him. That's no condemnation. It's amazingly powerful, isn't it, when you start really thinking about what is condemned. Now, there's two different errors that people can make about not being condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know a lot of people who, um, because I'm a big mouth, know that I believe in God and they don't need to be free because they say to me, well, do you know what? I don't know if I really believe in God and and probably there's some people in here who are still thinking, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't believe in God, but if there is a God, if I do end up in God's judgment seat, basically I'm a good person. I'm, I'm basically a good person. Well... It depends who you're comparing yourself with. So if I compare myself with a murderer, I probably am a good person. As soon as I compare myself with Mother Teresa, I'm not looking so good. And then when I actually compare myself with God's standard, which is a little bit higher than ours, it's perfection, I realize I am never going to make it. So we all fall short of the glory of God. The other mistake people can make, often people who've actually known Jesus for a long time, come to church and everything, is, and it's often to do with maybe a difficult upbringing, they feel condemned a lot of the time. They think they're condemned. They've done something wrong. They've said sorry. They've said sorry over and over, but they're not good enough. I'm not good enough. But actually, that is not what verse 2 says. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So, yes, we'll still do wrong. We'll still commit sins. We'll still make mistakes. But the law doesn't have the power to condemn us anymore. We're counted righteous. And we're counted righteous because when God looks at me, he doesn't actually see me. He sees Jesus in me. And Jesus already is perfect and he already paid For not just my past sins, but my present sins. That's why it says there is now no condemnation. Not just for eternity, but for now. And do you understand why? Why did Jesus do this incredible thing? He came down from, as creator God, into his creation. Gave up all his authority and power, except using it by the Holy Spirit. And he literally came down to suffer torture for us. Why? Because he wants us to be with him in heaven, because he loves us so much. And what is the difference between no condemnation and condemnation? It is only trust. Trust in God's death for us. 
that he's paid for it. Acceptance. And that's how we're justified. It's just incredible. And the next uh, little passage is all about sanctification. So there's no condemnation anymore, but there's sanctification, a process, a lifelong process of becoming holy. And for this, we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 21 times in chapter 8. The Holy Spirit is crucial. Once again, this is relational. The Spirit of God loves us. He's a person. Be with me. I will sanctify you. Come with me. Stay close to me. So in the passage it says, in the flesh, I'm controlled by base earthly desires. Death is mine. Hostility to God is mine. I can't please him. Try as I might, as people do try. In the spirit, life, peace, connection. Now we are being led one way or another. We all have a leader. And the question is, who or what do we obey? What's leading us? On whom or on what are we setting our mind? Now, I love this book that Simon Ponsonby's written that we're um, looking at God is for us, looking, going through Romans. And um, when he's talking about chapter 8, he uses an analogy of a dog. And I'm quite into dogs because I've lived with dogs all my life. So if we could look at the next slide. You can see I have a two-year-old called Flynn who was supposed to be a border collie, but he kind of grew and his father obviously was turned out not to be quite as intended. He's probably some massive hound. Anyway, um, he's not even finished growing, I just heard the other day, which is a bit scary. So there he is, pulling me along. Now, he's representing um, our more base, our earthly desires. So you've got two categories of people, those who are in the spirit. And by the way, if you're in Christ, whether you feel it or not, this passage says you are in the spirit. But unfortunately, sometimes we're a bit schizophrenic, aren't we? So Sometimes we are pulled by our earthly desires, our base desires. And that, for you, will be different from me. I'm not going to share all my worst ones, but I'll tell you one or two. So I have um, an app, and I know if I open that ridiculous app, three hours later I'll realise three hours went by when I meant to spend three minutes on it. Um, So I know that's drawing me way away from anything interesting, useful, and certainly goodly. Or... I've had, as I'm a head teacher, I have one or two quite difficult parents in West London. And um, when I've had a particularly difficult email or session with a parent, um, and I'm feeling pretty angry, do I always say, God, you know, help me to forgive them, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah? No. Very often I will focus on my base desire for revenge so I go into the staff room and I tell everyone do you know what Mrs I won't say her name is um, has done today she's the staff member that we she's the parent that we actually have to put 10p in the box if we mention her name Um, so you know that's not walking in the spirit that is being pulled by my earthly desires and yours will be different there will be some really hideous things 
Um, there will be gossip. There will be desire to have adultery. There'll be the pull of alcohol. There'll be, I don't know, money, ambition, all sorts of things. And only you know what those are. And we know that we are pulled by those things, particularly when we set our mind on them. But if we could look at the next doggy picture. Now here we have my brother Nick and his two dogs. And can you, this time the dogs are us. And those dogs look at the way they're looking at Nick. It's like, oh my goodness, we love you. You want us to sit? We'll sit. Oh, you want me to walk to heel? I'll walk to heel. Oh, do you want me to fetch a ball? I'll fetch a ball. Yes, okay, can I bring it back to you? Because we love obeying Nick because we love him. And we want to obey him. And the more time they spend with Nick, the more they want to obey him. And they have a great time. So how do I do my best to stay close to God, to walk in the Spirit and help him, cooperate with him so he can sanctify me? Well, I'm just going to tell you a couple of little things I do. And they are, as Nicola referred to, they are really about time. So the first one is, when I wake up, Hopefully, automatically, the first thought I have is, just keep me close today. It doesn't take very long. Just keep me close today. And then I'm, it's six in the morning and I'm doing a lot of getting dressed. And then I play um, worship music or I listen to a sermon while I'm getting dressed. Off and on, my mind's going in and out of it. And then I go in the car and I stop at Putney Bridge on my way to Fulham. And in the car, I either have a talk from New Wine or worship songs. And the more you do that, the more you actually want to do that. So I'm kind of trying to be in the zone. (laughs) And then when I get out and I go for my walk, I put on my earphones, I listen to worship songs. Um, And I also quite often, um, consciously at some point, will actually just hold Jesus' hand so I'm walking with him and I just picture the Holy Spirit filling me and then I'll just say to God as I get back in the car so what are we going to do together is there somebody you want to put my way and for the rest of the day the good news is because I've given a little bit of myself because I've tried to get closer what actually happens is I really don't have to work at it because the Holy Spirit's now doing it for me. And that is the amazing thing, is that the Holy Spirit is doing the bulk. I, I can't change on my own. You know, I'm 30-something years into Christianity, and every time I just do it on my own, it's a complete flop. But when I'm doing it in the Spirit, it's so much easier. So we want to obey. It's intimacy. Everything about this is intimacy with God. And our part, really, there's a lot of, um, in in here, it talks about the mind. So verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. So, you know, jumping ahead, Romans 12 talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And there's so many ways of doing this, but one of them is obviously reading the scriptures and your mind Changes your beliefs change, your understanding about who you are, who God is. Set your minds above, 
not on earthly things. Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. We'll be led by the Spirit and we'll be free like Barabbas because we've been set free to be free. So in the light of this marvellous news at the absolute centre of Romans, the pinnacle, no condemnation, you're set free to live in the power of the Spirit. How do we respond? And it will be different for everyone in this room. So do you really believe there's no condemnation for you? Are you someone who struggles with those feelings of condemnation, even though your head sort of tells you you're not, but you can't quite hold it? And if you are, I would personally print out, write out that first verse and read it every morning or read it every evening. Put it somewhere, you're going to see it, and then chew it, think about it. And over time, it will become a reality for you. Are you in Christ? Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Makes it very clear that there is condemnation until you are in Christ. You might be someone who's not even sure if you believe that Christ is God yet. So read your Bible, talk to Nicola and Richard, see if there's an alpha group, find out, keep looking or if you are in a relationship you know relationship is very slow isn't it can be so there are people who became in Christ like me I'm not in Christ oh yes I am I'm in Christ or there are people who very very gradually build that relationship just keep developing that relationship and for all of us how close is your walk with the spirit how can you make it closer I mean Nicholas just talked about the month of prayer that's an amazing opportunity but even the little things that really aren't huge demands on your time will give him the chance to empower you to live a life of fullness to be more like Jesus to be holier so let's all draw nearer to God today and walk out of here intentionally led by the Spirit of God, wanting to do what he wants, wanting to obey him. Amen.